Blog Talk Radio. Well, bless the Lord, everybody. Bless the Lord. This is Pastor Winfred Burns with Word, Worship, and Witness Ministry. And you are live with the Word on Wednesday. I pray that all is well and everybody is having just a wonderful time in the Lord. Uh, Just setting a few things, last minute things up. Uh, We want to dive right in tonight and have a word of prayer. And after prayer, we're going to be uh, going into Acts chapter 5. And the title of tonight's lesson is Satan in the Offering Plate. That's right, Satan in the Offering Plate. Let's uh, bow our heads in a word of prayer. Eternal God, our Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come. Again, we come to say thank you. Again, we come to bless you. Again, we come to magnify your name. For you, O God, are worthy of all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor. And once again, O God, we come asking for your presence, your leading, your guiding, your anointing in this Bible study. We pray, O God, that in sharing the word that we would bring glory to you. We pray, O God, that in sharing the word that it would lighten someone's pathway. We pray, O God, that it would correct that which is incorrect in the lives of the believer, and it would strengthen those things that are right in the lives of believers. Oh, God, we need you today. We need you as never before. Now, God, come rest upon us as we listen, as we explore your word. Teach us, oh, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good evening, Shalita. Good evening, Cheryl. How are y'all doing tonight? We're not going to waste any time tonight. We're going to go right into this word. I'm start. My 30 minutes starts right now. Uh, excuse me. As soon as I can, I'm putting myself on the timer, and we're going to start right in. Acts chapter 5, and remember we left off at with 4, introducing Barnabas. So in Acts chapter 5, we are going to read beginning at verse 1. But a man named Ananias, with his wife Sapphira, sold a piece of property, and with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it, and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit, and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? 
Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. And great fear came upon all who heard of it. The young men rose and wrapped him and carried him out and buried him. After an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter said to her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yes, for so much. But Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry and they will carry you out. Immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. When the young men came in they found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard these things. Here we have the story of Ananias and Sapphira. And the first thing that I want you to notice is the contrast between the actions of Ananias and Sapphira and Barnabas. Let's go back just real quick and, 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 and look at chapter 4 where it says, in verse 36, Thus Joseph, who was also called by the, apostle, the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So when Luke writes this passage now, he first shows how the people were bringing all their possessions and it was share and share alike. So there was oneness within the community of faith because all of the needs were being met but for, for all of the people in that community. Nobody considered anything his own, but everybody considered everything to belong to God. And they surrendered it to God for distribution throughout this new community. But now, we should know that Satan ain't going to let that go on. We know how Satan operates. Anytime God begins to get the glory... Anytime the people of God begin to respond to God with, with purity and openness and cleanliness and, and begin to do the will of God, the devil gets busy. And Ananias and Sapphira, they see all the accolades that's poured upon uh, Barnabas, how now he's seen as the son of encouragement, how his actions have encouraged others, and how he's getting all this positive press. And they say, hey, we can get some of that too. But when we give, when we get the press, we're we not, we not going to give everything that we have. No, we'll sell some, give some, but we're going to keep some for ourselves. And that's just how the devil operates. He always tries to 
to masquerade. He always tries to send in counterfeit. And this is what you call counterfeit giving. Now, when we look at the name Ananias, the name Ananias means the Lord is gracious. And then when we look at Sapphira, her name in Hebrew means beautiful. So what we see is two people acting out of character. We see the Lord is gracious and beautiful conspire to do something that is conniving and ugly. They wanted folk to think that they gave something when they really hadn't. They were being hypocrites. And so here is Satan taking advantage of, of, of the pride, the greed, and the and hypocrisy that's within man. He stimulates those things, and those things well up in them. The, the, the need for adulation, all of those things fill Ananias and Sapphira, and they come up with this wicked, wicked plan. Notice that up until this point, that the community of faith is characterized by spirit-filled actions. And here, with Ananias and Sapphira, we notice that they are satanically inspired. And Satan is now attempting to move into the community to undermine the work of God. Did you know, did you know that, 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 that offerings can undermine the work of God? You know, not too long ago, I was at a breakfast, a brunch, and the, the, the preacher that day had preached a rather powerful message. But then at the end of the message, this preacher came back and they took this offering. And it was a lot of, you know, it was a lot of, in my opinion, a lot of things in there that were not of God. Let's just put it that way. And around the breakfast table, as we discussed the service, the word of God was totally obscured. Nobody could focus in on the message that morning because of the way that offering was taken up. And the whole conversation was, you know what, I feel like there was some flim-flam. Uh, I feel like, you know, somebody was trying to rob me. I felt uncomfortable doing the offering. And I kept trying to steer the subject back to the word and how powerful the word was and how rich the word was. And that would last for about 30 seconds, and then all of a sudden it would go right back to the offering. And so all the message of God was completely obscured because of the offering. The devil got in the offering plate. And he was introduced because the offering was not handled properly. It wasn't handled with truth. It wasn't handled in love. 
It wasn't handled with the degree of sensitivity necessary to receive the holy thing of God from God's holy people. And even though they couldn't articulate what was wrong, they knew something was wrong, and that wrong thing obscured the word, and the word didn't go forward, and Satan got the glory. And here is what's happening is Satan's attempting to infect the church at an early, early stage. So, the community that's been guided by the Holy Spirit is now under a separate form of attack from Satan by using greed and pride and hypocrisy and all those other demons. Hey, Linda. Hey, Donna. How you doing? Um, all those other things. Now, but, but I want you to notice something. In this passage, Peter has prophetic insight into the heart of Ananias. Because look what he says. He says, how, or let, let me go right to the passage. He says, it's in verse 3. He says, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? I mean, Peter, of himself, he doesn't know what's going on, but the Holy Spirit reveals it to him. Oh, to God that we had shepherds today, and we had people today who trusted their shepherds so much that when God used them to prophetically reveal the evil that is within, that we would listen. Oh, that we had shepherds today who were so spirit-filled and so filled with the spirit of discernment that when the wolves came in to, put, to eat of the flock, that they would discern them and that they would chase them off to protect the flock from those who are only concerned with gain. Peter has that in the early church. And then he goes on, and God, after he says what he says to him, God judges Ananias, bam, and he falls dead. Now, the wonderful thing about God when we mess up an offering, by the way, is that he doesn't judge us right away. But if we don't get it right, if we don't get it right, eventually we've got to answer for that. We have to answer for the things that we do incorrectly in offering. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Because God takes offerings seriously. How did Satan attempt to get an offering plate? He filled them. He allowed them to, to come under the control of their own fleshly lust. 
He allowed pride. I mean, the same thing that caused him to go down is the same thing that caused Ananias and Sapphira to go down. The main issue was pride. They wanted to be lifted up before men. Satan wanted to be lifted up before God. He wanted to be even over God. He wanted to be God himself. He refused to yield to the unctions and leading of the Holy Spirit and instead chose to do it their own way. Why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? Now, one of the things that we need to see in this passage also is that even though Jesus has gone to heaven, the Holy Spirit is now superintending over the church. Notice he didn't say, he said, he said, he lie to Jesus, he said, lie to the Holy Ghost. And, and then he'll directly, in a few seconds, he'll say, why y'all conspire to test God? Look, God immediately judged him. Then, three hours later, here comes Sapphira. And Peter asked him, Sapphira, beautiful, did you sell that land for such and such? And he says, yeah. And then he comes back again, and he says, how is it that you have agreed together? Now he comes, exposes it exposes it as a conspiracy to tempt the spirit of the Lord. Now, one of the things that you, 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 you might be wondering is, how is it that we're tempting the spirit of the Lord? Simple. You're testing him. You test him when you put your word and your way as the truth when the truth is standing right in front of you. When you say that, nope, I'm the truth, and the truth is right there, and your way doesn't look like the truth, somebody lying. And it's usually us, because Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so when we go with our way, we're going away from truth, and we're going away from life. And Sapphira, real quick, real quick finds out, yes, I am going away from life. Because what does it say? The same people, the same boys that just buried your husband are about to bury you. And boom, she falls dead. Immediate judgment, and the judgment is on sin. Now, what I want to point out is that the sin was not how much they gave. No, that wasn't the sin at all. Because what did P Peter tell them? Peter says, while it was in your possession, while it was in your possession, you could do whatever you wanted to. If you would have came in here and said, hey, Peter, I just we just sold some land and we're gonna give fifty percent to the church and we keeping fifty percent for ourselves. There's no problem. But what they did was they tried to hide behind a lie. The lie, the deception was the sin. Where are you going with this preacher? 
Where are you going with this? Well, the first thing I want to say is when a church is filled with the Spirit, giving is pure. Let me say that again. A spirit-filled church, a spirit-filled individual will give pure offering. Let me explain that to you. What is a pure offering? That's what we're going to spend the rest of the night with, a pure offering. Okay? A pure offering is an offering not filled with hypocrisy. A pure offering is an offering not given for show. A pure offering is an offering given with the right attitude and intentions. Turn with me, if you will, real quick, and I'm, we're going we're gonna to spend the rest of the night talking about offerings. Um, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. We are in good shape because I think I can make it in, in the time that we have left. Matthew chapter 6. And let's look at verse 1 here. Because the first thing that we don't want to do when we're giving an offering is we don't want to make the mistake that Ananias and Sapphira made. It says, beware of practicing your righteousness. This is Matthew chapter 6. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpets before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. The first thing that you have is if your intention in giving is to be a big shot in the church, if your intention in giving is to be seen by men, if your intention in giving is so everybody can look at you up to you and say, Ooh, that's the guy with the, all that money that's always giving all that money, you got your reward. You got what you deserve, the praise of man. But God is not looking for that. Turn with me to uh, the right attitude. See, you've got to have, gotta have the right attitude when you're giving. So turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. That's where we're going to start at. This is how you develop the right attitude in giving. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Verse 7, or is that 2 Corinthians? I think it's 2 2 Corinthians. Yeah, it looks like 2 Corinthians. Yeah, that's what it is. Yep, that's it. 
I'm going to start at 6. Verse 6. The point is this. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has made up his mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, let me read you another version of that. It's, um, the, um, modern, it's a modern standard version. It says it like this. Well, here, let me, let me show you the contrast. Everyone must give it as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, here's, the other, here's, the, here's another version of it that will make it even plainer. Everyone should give whatever they have decided in their heart. They shouldn't give with hesitation or because of pressure. God loves a cheerful giver. Is that plain enough? So, number one, nobody should be able to con you, twist your arm, or try to beg you or plead with you to give. Forget that. No. And if you doing like this at the offering place, should I give it, shouldn't I give it, should I give it, shouldn't I give it, put it in your pocket, keep it. Because God doesn't want that. Uh, you know, let me, let, me, let me just tell you how I am. And, and if I'm this way and I'm just a man, then you know how God is. Look, if you want to give me something, give it to me out of love. Give it to me because you want to. Don't give me something and say, oh, you know, I, I really didn't want to give you this. Well, if you didn't want to give it to me, then keep it. I don't want it. And that's just me. God wants everything. It says the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. And here you're going to come peaching off something and like, and I got to pull it out your pocket? Man, keep that. Oh, no. I don't, I don't even want it. No. But now if you come to me and you're saying to me, you know, I'm happy to give this to you. It gives me joy to give this. Then I want to receive it. Let me keep pressing on. Go to um, go to Exodus chapter 25. Let's go over the Old Testament. Because from the beginning, the way that God receives an offering has not changed. From the very, very beginning, there, the attitude of the heart is so important. The, your attitude in giving. And if your attitude ain't right, God basically saying, hey, you keep that. I don't want that. That's the devil in that job. Your heart is hard toward me. Keep, keep your little old $5. Look, Exodus chapter 25, verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the people of Israel that they take for me a contribution from every man whose heart moves him, you shall receive the contribution for me. For every man whose heart moves him. The King James Version says, for every man whose heart is willing. When you give something to God, you have to have a willing heart. If your heart ain't willing, then you're putting the devil in the offering plate. Turn the turn the up. Uh, um, 
Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. Look, why do we want to give it when we give it from the heart? Why do we want to give from the heart? Job Psalms Proverbs. Ooh, I've got to move, i got to move, i got to move. Thought I had more time than I did. Proverbs chapter 3. Verse 9. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Before we even get to the promise, I want to deal with that word honor. It means to come reverently, to esteem God so highly to know God so well that he is the source that you esteem him and love him and thank him so much that you bring your best, your first fruits to him. And the promise on the back end of that, we don't even have to go through that. We're not going through that. I want The attitude is that, you know what, I'm coming to you, God, and I'm I'm esteeming you so high, you so heavy, you so good, you so great, that I am going to give you yours. I'm not even going to Malachi tonight. Not even, I don't have to touch Malachi. Go to Psalm 76. See, once you commit yourself and know who God is in your giving, Psalm 76 Verses 11, verse 11, 76-11, it says, Make your vows to the Lord your God and perform them. Let all around him bring gifts to him who is to be feared. So when you have purposed in your heart, when it is your will to give, when God has given you the willing heart to give, you make a vow. You said to yourself in your heart, I'm giving. Go on and do it. And come with your best. Come willingly with your best. Go back to um, uh, um, 2 Corinthians 9. I want to I go through that a little bit, just a little bit more, because there was more to that. And there's a, I wanted to hold off on that point until I got that, until I, I, I laid the foundation with the other thing. 9 6, I'll start there again. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has made up his mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Watch what God says. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work as it is written. He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Verse 10, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for all your generosity, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. 
Read the rest of it later. Go, go on to verse 12. Got to stop there right now. But what he's basically saying is as you give, God is going to give it back to you, and he's going to increase. He's going to multiply. He's going to multiply. Notice he uses the term seed. One seed never produces just one thing. Seeds produce in multiples. You get that? But here's a here's a passage that I just that I was that I was looking for and looking at today, and I'm gonna run. I'm I'm gonna borrow three minutes from y'all tonight. I'm gonna borrow just three minutes. Uh, go to Luke chapter six thirty eight. Luke chapter six. Look here. Look here. He says, oh, see, that my time is up. But I'm, I'm still in three minutes. I'm still in three minutes. Look at, because y'all, y'all want this. Y'all, y'all really want this one. Luke 6, verse 38. It says, give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, press down, shake it together, running over will be put in your lap. For with the measure you use it, for the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. What did God just say? What did God just say? He says, give and it shall be given unto you. Press down, shake it together, running over will men Give in to your bosom. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. God says, when you give something, I'm going to give you a consecrated, concentrated blessing. One more time. I'm going to give you a consecrated, concentrated blessing. How you come up with that? Okay, you've seen those little bottles of concentrate where one little old, uh, uh, eight ounce bottle make twenty gallons. That's what he's talking about. So you give twenty gallons, or you give a gallon, and I'm going to give you a concentrated gallon, a gallon that is capable of making 100 gallons. Let me understand how you got that. He is going to press it down, meaning he's going to compact it. Imagine you're just trying to stuff something into that, 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 that jug or that pitcher. You're stuffing it in, and then you're shaking it up to make sure that there's no air in there. So every last piece of space is filled, and then you jamming some more in there, and then you shaking it again, and you jamming some more in there. This is what God is doing to your blessing, and He's going to make that a concentrated blessing. He's going to make it overflow, and He's going to make it operate supernaturally. So, in other words, you're going to go to the grocery store with your twenty dollars. And you're going to stand in line with $15 worth of grocery. And you're going to hand the $20 to the cashier. And the cashier is going to tell you, oh, you don't owe anything because the person in front of you 
paid for it already. You're going to go in your closet thinking that you don't have any new hats, and you don't like me, you're going to find seven. Because God is going to bless you supernaturally when you give. Let me, let me wrap this up. Let me give you some principles of giving. And, and I would encourage you to get in the scripture and begin to search giving. Begin to search um, being generous. Begin to search liberality. Okay? Begin to search offering and see what God says about when you give. Like when you give to the needy, you, leave, you lend into him. Look, here's the principles, and then I'm, then I'm done. Number one, don't be a hypocritical giver. Don't give just to get. You know, uh, I'm giving so God will open up the windows of heaven and pour me out a blessing that I didn't have room to receive. Hypocrite, I'm giving because I love God. I'm, I'm giving because I honor him. I'm giving because he has given so much to me. I'm giving because he didn't withhold his only son for me. Number two, you got to be willing to give whatever it is that you give. Bible says you set apart, you purpose in your heart that you are going to give and what you're going to give. Be purpose, purposeful, be mindful in your giving. Three, never let anybody pressure you into giving. Mm -mm. Don't let them con you. Don't make, let them make you feel this. No, no, no. Don't do it. Four, give from a willing heart. Give from a heart of love. Give to honor. Give as you worship. Because when you are giving from a willing heart, when you're giving from a loving heart, when you're giving from a reverent heart, you're giving from a heart that worships and bows and loves God. Number five, giving honors God. Because you are declaring him worthy. Number six, whatever you say you're going to give, whatever you purpose that you're going to give, give it and give it cheerfully. Since you have given from a pure, loving, worshipful heart, give expecting the Lord to respond. He'll give you a supply that will multiply. He'll give you a concentrated, consecrated blessing. And finally, through your giving, God will make you a resource that blesses multitude. God will make you a resource that blesses multitudes. Amen. Well, that's all. Oh, 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 just one, one last thing. And fear came upon the church. That fear that they talked about is a, a reverence and awe of God. It's a reverential awe to see that God is so concerned as he watches over this young church that awe comes over them. They're able to do great things because of it. Hey, I'll pick it up next week. I'm sorry, I, I, I went a little bit over. 
uh, and I thought I'd cut the lesson down, but I went a little bit over. If there are questions, if there are any questions, call me real quick now at 593, or excuse me, 929-477-2304, 929-477-2304. Or if you have questions and you're on Facebook Live, just type them in real quick, and we'll be and you can and you can uh, I'll answer them right now. And you know good and well now y'all know now that I'm not going to prolong the hour. I went a little bit over, uh, maybe about five minutes. Yeah, I've been good so far though. Anyway, going once, I don't see anything. The phone's not ringing. Let's pray. Eternal God, our Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come to say thank you, to give you glory, to give you honor, to give you praise. We thank you, O God, that you are teaching us how to give in the kingdom. You're teaching us not to be legalistic. You're teaching us not to be suckers in giving. You're teaching us how to discern when there's wolves within the flock who are trying to to devour us. You're teaching us how, O God, to to discern when when our hearts are not right in giving. You're teaching us to give reverently. You're teaching us how to give in purity. You're teaching us how to sow seeds. You're teaching us how to go from just looking to you as our source to looking to you as our source who wants us to become a resource that all the needs in the Christian community can be met. Oh, thank you, O oh God, for honoring us in that manner. Now, God, let us be faithful in our giving. Let us be true in our giving. Let our giving be an act of worship. Let it be, O oh God, that when we give, that we are so elated in giving, that you join us in giving as we sing praises unto you. O oh God, let your spirit abide. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, that's it. That's all. I'll see you next week with the Word on Wednesday. And we will continue in Acts chapter 5, right from where we left off. And I think we left off at verse 11. So that will put us at Acts chapter 5, verse 12. Have a wonderful, wonderful evening. And be a blessing to somebody. Amen and amen. I'm trying to...